This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Well, we know that Frank James is now being held without bail. Thank goodness. You can imagine if he got before Alvin Bragg in New York or some of these other soft on crime DAs, it might be a different story. Who knows? This is, of course, the guy who is accused of the worst shooting on U.S. subways history and basically here in New York City with the 33 rounds being fired, 10 people injured. Um, And when we look at the numbers of what happened in New York City, obviously it is horrible what happened and what he did. And we've been hearing the traces of how they pieced it together. And today he went before the judge and got no bail, thank goodness, because it is a federal court. If you look at the rap sheet of this guy, as we've talked in past days, he had nine priors in New York. He had three priors in New Jersey. And this guy seemed to be like a walking billboard for violence. And I want to play a little bit of some of his comments, because if you listen to this guy, he is clearly loony kazoony, and this is on his own social media. Take a listen. This is Frank James again, the guy who has now been charged, tied to a, quote, terrorist act on mass transit, which, thank goodness, is a federal crime. Take a listen. company controls the the flow of information in a democracy Mm -hmm. they control the outcome of an election at least they influence the outcome of an election and so uh, we need to make sure that we have a number of twitters or at least the right twitter with an open and transparent platform and that is elon musk who by the way that's a good tease because we're going to be talking about elon musk later on in the show and he is talking about free speech and free rights, and it looks like the wealthiest guy in America may soon be buying the platform. And the reason we're talking about him also is the fact that Frank James was on social media, and Donald Trump has been banned from social media. It's unbelievable. So I can't wait to talk with you later on in the show about Elon Musk Because I think it's really fascinating that he is looking at buying Twitter and how much of a game changer that's going to be. And the fact that Donald Trump is not on Twitter, yet the Ayatollah Khomeini is, and the Taliban's on Twitter, and this loony kazuni Frank James is on Twitter. Let's play a little comment. This is Frank James talking and making these really crazy, insane statements. Again, this is the guy now charged, tied to the shooting on the Brooklyn subway. Oh, well, you know, we're all human beings, bunch of bullshit. 
and how color doesn't really matter. You know, that's bullshit also. Yes, color does matter. There's a reason why you have white people and black people on, on the planet. There's a reason you have uh, uh, so-called yellow people and, 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 and brown and red people on the planet. There's a reason for that. It is, there's a reason, a reason in nature. It has nothing to do with what goes on in our fucking heads. Nature has determined that we should separate out, and we have done that. The only reason we're together, blacks and whites, is by force. It's not by choice. Wow. And now he is being held without bail. Now, when they came out today from court, his defense attorney made some pretty crazy statements. And I want to play one of the statements coming from the defense attorney because I want to play cut number three because this is pretty wild. Because, yes, there's a lot of evidence connecting this guy to this horrible, horrible crime on the New York subway. There's, you know, he had uh, the key to the U-Haul. They had the gun that he bought that they say matches ballistics or, uh, you know, appears to be the gun used. Uh, The grenades in his bag. Uh, Then they have the video of him kind of going in and out of the subway. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff out there. Then he also calls and says, hey, I think you're looking for me. Now, she is using that to say that he was cooperating. And that he deserves a fair trial. It's kind of interesting. The way she's posing it, she's almost making us think maybe they got the wrong guy. Take a listen. What we do know is this. Yesterday, Mr. James saw his photograph on the news. He called Crime Stoppers to help. He told them where he was. Yes, he apparently did call Crime Stoppers and said, hey, I understand you're looking for me. So is she saying that, what, he deserves a deal because he's cooperating? And then listen, she went a little bit further. Take a listen to this. Initial press and police reports in cases like this one are often inaccurate. Mr. James is entitled to a fair trial, and we will ensure that he receives one. So is there something inaccurate? Do you guys think that what, they got the wrong man? What is she alluding to? She said often information that comes out is, quote, inaccurate. So is it just all coincidence? Is this a defense attorney, just kind of a desperate plea by a defense attorney? Because what else are they going to do? But come on. Boy, this to me just seemed like a whole sort of shameless plug. You have to believe he just happened to walk out of the subways at those times when somebody planted the key on him, put the gun in his hand. You know they're going to, like, tie ballistics. They're going to tie fingerprints. They're going to tie all these other things. To me, this was just sort of another sort of pathetic attempt by a defense attorney trying to say, oh, what, he's the wrong guy? This is all just happened to happen at the same time? What are your thoughts about this tactic by this defense attorney who is representing the Brooklyn subway shooter, saying he called and often reports are inaccurate. So what? Everybody made it up but him? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, joining us now to talk about this case and also how to fight crime because he certainly knows how to do just that. He was the former commissioner of the New York City Police Department under then-Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And joining us now 
is Bernie Carrick. Bernie, great to have you here on the show. Thanks, Rita. You know, Bernie, first, before I get to some of the great crime-fighting measures that clearly worked under you and Rudy, tell us first off, what's your reaction to this defense attorney who said often reports are inaccurate, he deserves a fair trial. He called, and he was the crime stopper, basically called the crime stopping line and said, hey, you're looking for me, I understand, I'm at this McDonald's. What's your reaction to hearing the defense attorney say that? Well, listen, uh, a few things. First of all, uh, he does have a right to a fair trial. Um, And I wish, I honestly wish the system, the Justice Department and uh, and the press and media um, went along with those sentiments uh, in every avenue, not just this case, but every other case, Uh, because these days that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, He has a right to a fair trial. The defense attorney made some statements, and I I thought it was, you know, I I didn't hear this before you just played this. And I I had to laugh to myself because the defense attorney is basically saying what she's been told. Um, These are things that she's been told by her client. Um, They could be inaccurate. They could be completely false. Um, She doesn't know, right? So she's repeating what she was told. Um, and the facts will come out in court. You can't really blame a defense attorney, uh, Rita, for sticking sticking up for their client. Um, but anybody that watches this, anybody that watches this, watches what happened, um, takes a basic look at the evidence. Uh, in this case, you pretty much know you know what the deal is, right? You know where the guy was. You know, you know. He's been caught. They, they tagged the gun to him, the canisters to him, the backpack to him, you know, his, his route of travel. Um, you know, it, it just takes a little common sense to put it together. But I, I don't have a problem with the defense attorney making those statements. Well, And, you know, I don't have a problem saying a right to fair trial because I absolutely agree with that. What just seems so outlandish, and I want to play it again, is that the way she's saying it is like a lot of the reports are not accurate. In other words, it's almost trying to say, like, did you get the wrong guy? And that's a little you have to believe that all these pieces that you just talked about, Bernie, and all these others are just kind of out of 100 percent. You know, like I I would bet on lottery and expect to win a billion bucks more than all these things fitting together going after him. You know, I mean, it's like you'd have to believe in all these coincidences. I just want to play it one more time because it's such a weird phrasing. Um, Let's play it again here and I'll get you to react, Bernie. Initial press and police reports in cases like this one are often inaccurate. Mr. James is entitled to a fair trial and we will ensure that he receives one. Yeah, it's the inaccurate part that's weird, you know? I mean, is that yeah. like grasping for straws? You know what she's, you know what she's doing? And, and this is, uh, if you went back to my interviews within uh, two hours after, uh, after the shooting, I told, uh, I said numerous times, listen, when the initial reports come in, be prepared that those reports are going to change. We, as they did, we heard there was five shot and there was seven shot. There was ultimately 10 shot. There was, you know, that went from seven injured to 10 to 12 to 29 to 30. Um, those those things will change. And the lawyer's right. She's right. 
sometimes, uh, you know, the facts are inaccurate. I would say uh, she's using that, as a defense attorney does, to basically stall, because the bottom line is, just based on the basic evidence that I've seen and heard, um, you know, her client is going to prison probably for the rest of his life. So uh, she's going to do whatever she has to do um, to create that picture before they get into court. What do you make of um, the fact that it is a federal crime? And you just hit on the right on the head, uh, Bernie, I think, in the fact that he could get life behind bars, that this is a much more serious case because it's a federal charge of a terrorist act on a mass transit system. That's the qualifier for it to be. Uh, Hopefully that will be a much more severe punishment than if it was somewhere else, because it seems like he was a victim of a revolving door, Bernie. Yeah, you know what, Rita? Um, or we uh, were a victim of I, his revolving door, I should say, Bernie. Right. I, I agree that it should be a federal charge um, based on the fact that it was in the mass transit system. But I'm going to tell you something. Whether it was in the system or not, if this guy walked into a store or walked into Midtown Manhattan and started trying to uh, assassinate people, um, given who he is, given his racist, extreme, racist, radical mentality. He fits the definition of a domestic terrorist on the FBI's, on their own website. If you go to the FBI's website and you look up definitions for terrorism, there are two, international terrorism, domestic terrorism. On the domestic terrorism side, it talks about the use of violence for certain ideologies, one of them is extreme racism. This guy fits that bill probably better than anybody I've heard of in recent years because he reminds me of, like, some of these guys that were back in the 70s and uh, 60s, early 80s, the Black Panther Party, the Black Liberation Army. That's the mentality this guy had, and that's exactly why he went out there and uh, went on this rampage. So whether it was in the mass transit system or not, I honestly believe he should have been charged as a domestic terrorist anyway. Yeah, no, great, great point. And everybody, we're talking to former NYPD Commissioner Bernie Carrick. You know, Bernie, um, I want to get your thoughts because you and Rudy Giuliani had such incredible success and historic results in turning, turn, you know, turning New York City around, you know, the biggest city in the world. And how you did it. There's some talk now, by the way, that New York is considering weapon detecting technology for uh, the subway. What do you make of that? And what things would you do that you guys can draw upon that you would advise, you know, even Eric Adams and others? You know what, Rita? uh, Listen, enhancing technology under any circumstances is good for policing. Right, whether it's the weapons identification programs, whether it's shot spotters in the communities that can pick up the sound of gunfire and have cameras flagged down on the location where those gunshots are going off, or whatever the case may be. Technology is great. But listen, the what's happening in the city today, the amount of crime, the shootings, the homicide rate was five times worse when Rudy Giuliani took office, five times worse than it is today. So nobody should be able to tell me that it can't be fixed. 
because in the six year, eight years that Rudy was in office, the violent crime rate dropped by 65 percent. The murder rate dropped by 70. And in the black community where the violence was some of the highest, the murder rate dropped by almost 80 percent. Don't tell me it can't be done. Don't tell me you need national gun programs. Don't tell me you need more you know, gun detection. Don't tell me none of that stuff. Because the bottom line is it was fixed under Rudy Giuliani because, one, he had a governor, and, and Democratic governor included. Governor Cuomo, Governor Pataki was there during his administration. He had governors that were pro-law enforcement. They weren't signing into law bail reform acts and all this other garbage. He had prosecutors like Robert Morgenthau that was prosecuting bad guys, locking them up and make sure they didn't get back out on the street, unlike Alvin Bragg. And he had police commissioners like Bill Bratton, me, Howard Safer, that was ordered, that was mandated. Go out and do the job you were ordered and you were, you were authorized to do under law do that job, do it to the best of your ability, and whatever resources you need, I'm going to give you. But if you don't reduce crime, you're fired. Period. That's it. That's what he did. Eric Adams was a lieutenant and worked for me during those times. Eric Adams knows exactly what has to be done. Exactly what has to be done. He lived through the playbook of the Renaissance of New York City. All he has to do Stand up, grab the courage that he needs to do it, ignore the radical left, and go do the job you're supposed to do. And I promise you, crime will drop. Yeah, and he has to reach out to great folks like you and to Rudy uh, to get advice. He's reached out to some of these other people. Why is he not reaching out to some people who have had such incredible success as you guys have had. Um, Bernie Carrick, so great to have you here on the show and get your perspective on all these things. And uh, thank you for all you've done to keep this great city safe. Thanks, Rita. Thank you, Bernie, so much. We really appreciate it. Former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick um, with some great points as to what has worked in the past in New York. And it's a template. Why is Eric Adams not following it and others? When we come back... What do we need to do to keep big cities safe, including New York? And also, what do you make of the shooter on the subway? The attorney basically saying, well, some of the facts aren't accurate. And let's keep in mind, he called authorities also talking about a mental health exam. Are they going to try to say he's insane? Was he insane? Really? Because it was premeditated. I'm talking from a legal term, guys. What do you think? one 800 848 9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about Frank James who is the man now charged with the attack on the New York City subway that left 10 people shot and many others injured. And today he was arraigned in court. He didn't say anything. He just kind of mumbled um, and nodded most of the time and basically was given no bail, thank goodness, because it is a federal system, not an Alvin Bragg or a George Gascone system. And now... He is going for psychiatric evaluation. 
Um, definitely loony kazuni, but I also contend that he knew what he was doing because all of these actions show premeditation. He rented the van. There's all these steps that show it wasn't like something just snapped in his mind. And now his defense attorney is basically saying, well, the facts maybe aren't exactly as they seem. Is she trying to get him off? You're trying to say all these videos are wrong, all this evidence is wrong? What do you think? one 800 Let's go to Nick on line two. Nick, your thoughts about this case uh, and others, and in fact, this defense attorney, what do you make of her? Oh, hi, Nick here, yeah, in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm glad they got the guy off off the streets, but uh, I just wonder what's going to happen with him as far as his prosecution. You mentioned earlier Colin Ferguson. Where is that guy Colin Ferguson now? With his, Is he still incarcerated, or is he off? Is well, he, hopefully uh, he's definitely incarcerated, I believe. I'll find out, but I know that's the guy, of course, on the Long Island subway That was um, 1993, and I remember that. um, That was a horrible case. Remember, he represented himself. Remember, he got up there, and he was like, do you remember somebody firing? And the person's like, yeah, it was you. That was such a bizarre one. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story where a Middleton, Wisconsin police officer helped save the life of an exchange student at University of Wisconsin in Madison. A police officer's training and being in the right place at the right time are being credited with saving the life of an exchange student. The student, a 20-year-old exchange student from the United Kingdom, was out shopping When she suddenly collapsed, she said she had no recollection of feeling any sort of way that wasn't normal before the incident. Luckily, she was with a friend who waved down a police officer who dispatched an ambulance. And the individual said that in her 11 years, she never had such a person, uh, had never seen somebody like this who was just suddenly healthy, fit, and went from there to not breathing. Apparently, she was diagnosed with a cardiac arrest suddenly. And luckily, the officer's paternal instincts kicked in. Uh, he got her uh, phone and checked in with her loved ones to ask what her history was. Got her then quickly on FaceTime, talked to the parents, and was able to quickly get a sense of her history, get the ambulance, and get her quickly for safety, the doctors were then able to install a pacemaker suddenly in the exchange student's heart, and they believe had this officer not reacted so quickly, getting her family on the phone and helping, and of course the help of the friend, that combination saved this exchange student's life. What a great, great story about teamwork and also the importance of our great men and women in blue and all they do in the unusual situations that they come across every single day. Well, our NYPD in New York definitely played an amazing role and did a great job in terms of putting the pieces together to arrest Frank James. That, of course, is the guy who is now charged with this terrible attack on the Brooklyn subway, where we know that 10 people were shot. There were 33 bullets because they found 33 shell casings. Also, remember, there were the gas 
you know, exchanges that were going on. He had the gas mask on and the gas canisters were going off. And thank goodness the gun jammed. Remember the gun jammed because they found that there were more bullets still in that nine millimeter weapon. And there were also two full magazines, too. So who knows what would have happened if the gun had not jammed. And then he was on the subway for a while. They have video of him on the subway. They have video of him carrying the box that basically ties back to him. They have the key that uh, was used to rent the car, the van. It's the U-Haul that he rented from Philadelphia. They went to his apartment in Philly. They found the weapons. Uh, They found a whole bunch of stuff. They found the weapon that was used at the scene. They, again, also have the video of him kind of going in and out of the subway. There are so many things that it looks like tie this guy to the case. But if you talk to the defense attorney for this guy, because he made his first court appearance today, thank goodness he's being held without bail. Thank God on that one. Uh, Well, if you listen to the defense attorney, she's basically trying to make a case that either this guy was mentally insane um, and maybe was calling up to help with the case, but not necessarily, quote, turn himself in. It's really weird because, remember, he's the one who actually called and was at a McDonald's and called Crime Stoppers and said, you know, hey, I understand you're looking for me. I understand, you know, my picture's up all over the place. I can help you, basically. So she's using that to say that either he's mentally insane, didn't know what he was doing, or... They have the wrong guy, and he was just trying to help with the case. So you're trying to tell me all these pieces that we just talked about, and you can bet a whole bunch more, are just coincidence? He just happened to be there, happened to rent the van that had these items, the items that were tied that were left at the scene, the gun that he bought in Ohio years before that he physically bought, they know for a fact. I mean, all these things are just total coincidence she wants us to believe. Or is she trying to lay the groundwork that he's just nuts and doesn't remember what he did? And either way, to me, these are Hail Marys. I want to hear your thoughts if you believe there's any truth to any of these things. And if you think that this guy could potentially walk based on insanity, or what are they going to say, that he was actually helping with the case? He wasn't hurting. These are all just total coincidences. Uh, These just sort of defense attorney games That's what I think they are. I mean, to me, there's so many pieces here that tie this guy to it. And again, his vitriolic stuff online is just, oh, it's so horrible. I mean, clearly, this is a guy who is intent on violence. And if you look also at his criminal history, he had a sex crime. He had, you know, terrorist weapons, you know, items that were very questionable, trespassing. Uh, There's a series of different things, some minor, some more serious. But he had at least 12 prior arrests. I mean, there's all these things in this guy's background, and she wants us to believe he just happened to be with all these items, that he happened to, what, touch the gun, have the gun that was used in the shooting, uh, happened to have rented the van that was tied to the shooting. I mean, again, it's all like an epiphany. What do you think, guys? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. This is what Frank James, again, now the guy who is charged With that subway shooting, this is the attorney right after she got out of court today. What happened in the New York City subway system on Tuesday was a tragedy. It is a blessing that it was not worse. And it is a blessing that it was not worse. But it wasn't good because of your client. 
I mean, wouldn't it be refreshing if a defense attorney kind of got up there and said, my guy is just a horrible human being who never should have been out. And I'm not even going to try to fabricate things and milk the system and drag everybody through this. I mean, it's like, when is that day going to come? That would be a nice day. But here's a little bit more. As she's sort of laying the groundwork, is she trying to say what they maybe have the wrong guy? Take a listen. We are all still learning about what happened on that train, and we caution against a rush to judgment. We caution against a rush to judgment. What do you think she means by that, guys? And here she is, again, also saying that maybe not all the information you've heard is correct. What is she saying? Maybe they got the wrong guy? Take a listen. Initial press and police reports in cases like this one are often inaccurate. Mr. James is entitled to a fair trial, and we will ensure that he receives one. Yes, and that is a standard of our system, guys. And in fact, by the way, just before uh, the break before, we had a caller who was talking about Colin Ferguson, kind of equating those two cases. Colin Ferguson, remember, was the guy, he was the passenger on the 1993 Long Island Railroad shooting. I thought it happened 93. That's correct. It is 93. And this is where he opened fire. Um, Six of his victims were killed. 19 others were wounded. And to answer your question, he is still thankfully behind bars um, because he was receiving, he was sentenced to 315 years and eight months to life uh, for his sentence. Um, And the judge said when he was sentenced uh, that the earliest he could get parole is August 6, 2309. None of us are going to be around then. 2309, not 2039, 2309. And that the judge said Colin Ferguson will never return to society and will spend the rest of his natural life in prison. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And let's hope the same thing happens to this monster. But boy, where is this defense attorney going with this one? I'm all for everybody getting a fair trial. And in fact, in the Colin Ferguson case, remember, in this one, he actually defended himself. Remember, he fired his defense attorney And then he started questioning the witnesses. It was the most bizarre trial I think I ever saw where it was like, hey, did you ever see this one or who did this and who was on there? Yeah. And the witnesses were like, yeah, I saw the shooter. It was you. I I mean, it was one of the most bizarre cases I have ever, ever seen. And yes, he got a fair trial. That is our system. But what do you make of this defense attorney trying to cloud the waters, basically saying the facts aren't all that they seem And we caution you on a rush to judgment against this guy. Is she trying to say there was a justification for it? Is she trying to say he has mental problems? She did ask for a mental evaluation. Is she trying to say that maybe there's something else to the story that we don't know? Are we missing something here, guys? I mean, one of the things in terms of the mental health defense, I think they're going to have a real trouble with it. Because prosecutors are saying, quote, it was entirely premeditated. They note that he donned a disguise as a construction worker. Remember, he put the vest on, he put the helmet on. He was carrying with him an arsenal that included the smoke grenades, a Glock pistol, gasoline, fireworks, and a hatchet. He got out of his disguise after leaving the subway. So does that sound like somebody 
who doesn't know what he's doing and he's mentally insane. Obviously, you got to have a screw loose to do what you did. But by the definition of mental insanity, so what, he can have a cakewalk and be at a mental institution as opposed to behind bars? He already sounds like he's had a cakewalk before. He had, thir- you know, 12 priors, at least, on other issues. So, boy, this whole, like, mental defense thing and let's have sympathy, I hope that that's not where they're going here. one 800 848 uh, let's go to Marty on line two. Marty, your thoughts about this case? This is, of course, the Brooklyn subway shooter. Everybody's still talking about it. How you doing, Rita? Good. What do you make of this guy? Uh, I don't think he's out of his mind. I think he was pretty calculating on what he was doing. You know, uh, I think he had it planned out pretty well. I don't think he's that, you know, I, I think he might be very, very agitated. You, you know what I'm saying to myself? In today's world and what's coming out every single day on TV, on the news, on this, all they're doing is spreading racial division amongst people. This is what our government is feeding feeding the people in the world on every news channel that you watch. That's what they're talking about. Talking about inequity. They're talking about this. They're talking about that. Talking about that we're systemically racist. And, you know, you may see more of these just based on that alone. You know what I keep saying to myself? They keep saying that that President Trump's words stimulated the insurrection on January 6th. So why can't we use that same theory here and say that our elected officials' words on TV stimulates all of this racial stuff that's going on? This guy was really angry. You know, he's put some real nasty posts up how people of color should not be talking to other people at all, you know? So this is this ain't just coming out of nowhere, you know. I don't think he's crazy. I really don't think he's crazy. I just think he's a little bit off, but not crazy. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you, Marty. I think exactly as you're saying that he's clearly look. Obviously, he, he's clearly got mental issues. But by the definition of mental, no. you know, insanity, this is a guy who right. knew enough to plan it. He plotted it, and he's on videotape going over and over again talking about these things. So it's not nobody like he picked that up, Rita. Rita, nobody picked that up. This guy's been on YouTube. He's been all over. Nobody picked it up. Not only that, then they want to say what a great job they did catching him. He called them. Right, uh, right. Are we living in a different world. This is this is like this is like this is just like a different world here. It's like it's like people don't think people know what's going on. Somebody's so guy let me them. let me ask you, Marty. To that point, his attorney sounds like she's suggesting. He called police. So it's unclear. Is she saying he called police because, what, he's trying to help and he didn't do it? Or he should get a break because he called police? How did you read that part of her of her comments after court today? Right, right. He kind of gave himself up, you know. But the way, they, but the way, that, they, the way that the city officials are, are showing it is that good police work did this. No, a phone call from the guy did. That's what did it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then and then he was hanging out, and then but 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 to the NYPD's credit, by the way, they did at least put out the pictures of him. You know, they put out the pictures. Uh, they tied it very quickly. Remember, they found the key, the rental uh, vehicle key at the scene. Then they figured out he rented it. Uh, they figured out the gun, where the gun history was. He bought it in Ohio, so they did piece that together. So they knew they were looking for Frank James. 
you know, so his picture was everywhere. So they did do they did do a lot of piecing in that regard. But you're right. At the end, he's the one who called up. And then even afterwards, he's like sauntering around. I mean, that's the wildest thing, too, Marty. It's not like at that moment he was like running even. He was just kind of hanging around waiting, apparently, at McDonald's. And then they don't they don't even show up right away. And he just kind of is hanging around. Apparently, he went and charged his phone at a place, and he's kind of hanging out, sitting on a bench, and then walking down the street casually. And then when they come get him, there was no resisting arrest either. And they're probably going to, the defense attorney's going to tap into that too, that like he wasn't fighting them. So what? Like, like, is that like a surrender? Or is she trying to say they have the wrong guy almost? It's really weird, Marty, because she also used the phrase, like not all the facts are accurate. And and you heard Bernie Carrick's interpretation. Bernie was just on here and Bernie Carrick, uh, the NYPD commissioner, was saying um, that maybe it's, you know, sometimes details are different or whatever. But it sounds to me like she might even is she trying to muddy the waters like maybe they got the wrong guy? Of course they are. That's exactly what she's trying to do. She's trying to defend them. That's her job to do that. And what but 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 I blame this on what's going on in our in our electoral system. We got we got people who we elected to office that are telling everybody that every that this country's racist and they're saying it on the news so the whole world's hearing this. They're pitting one generation against another generation, they're pitting one race against another race, they're pitting one social class against another it's just crazy. What's up is down and what's down is up. And I believe once this weather starts getting hotter you're going to see more of this. Uh, well, I, I pray that you are wrong, but you're right. It is sort of incentivizing these people, and they're using it as as mad justification. I say mad meaning, you know, horrible and demented justification. And, and I hope you're wrong about the increase in and all of that. But, Marty, thank you. Really important perspective. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222 on The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. are talking, of course, about the case of Frank R. James and now his defense attorney. This is a Brooklyn subway shooter. The defense attorney says, don't rush to judgment in this case. You may not have all the facts right. Also saying that he should get a check for his mental health. Clearly, he's got some mental issues. He also wasn't a mental uh, program and he said he got out of that and it made him angrier. So clearly the guy's office rocker in a number of a number of ways. There's no question about it. And the judge in this case, Roanne Mann, said, "Yeah, a psychic psychiatric evaluation should be conducted on the client at the prison, at the federal prison where he should be." They're also giving him, by the way, magnesium tablets for leg cramps. So how nice is that? Both of those requests by the defense attorney were granted. Uh, He isn't getting bail. Thank goodness for that. And thank goodness he's behind bars because, boy, is this guy a loony kazoony. But I don't think that he is mentally insane as much as his comments are so crazy and so out of the whack. I mean, they're just nutty. In fact, let's play 21A. This is 
a little bit of him on his social media where he just goes on and on and on about all these crazy things that we were just talking with Marty who just called in about this. And so what I want to suggest in this video is that we should not embrace, we should not accept the white devil blood that we have in us because of the way that it was forced upon us. We should try to find a way, just like Demi did in the, the, that scene from Exodus, to uh, reject that devil that's in us, even to the point of, of committing suicide, so to speak. And yeah, we'd have to commit a, a form of suicide. We'd have to kill. We'd have to kill ourselves in terms of we'd have to kill um, who we are right now. We'd have to. We'd have to sum, submerge again. Do a factory research, a reset on our whole humanity, and rehabilitate our humanity and cleanse it out. Clearly, the guy was nuts. Clearly, they should have been monitoring his social media. And by the way, in the next hour here on the show, we're going to talk about the fact that this guy was on Twitter. The Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran is on Twitter. The Taliban is on Twitter with their vile, horrible, despicable comments. And yet Donald Trump is still not on Twitter. And that very well may change because the richest man in the world, Elon Musk, is trying to make a buy for all of Twitter. And I think if he gets it, I think Donald Trump will be back on in a second, and I think he should be back on. So we're going to talk about the disparities in the way that social media has covered conservatives and liberals and the fact that a loony kazuni like this guy, although I don't think technically mentally insane, but he's clearly a vile, violent human being, and I'm glad he's off the streets. But he is still on social media. So figure that out, guys. And we're going to get to that in the next hour here on the show. In the meantime, what do you make of this guy and the fact that now his attorney, because he had his first hearing in court today, he didn't really say anything. He just kind of mumbled. He was kind of nodding to answers. Um, He was wearing glasses, a mask, and a grayish tan jumpsuit. Pretty much was silent through the whole thing. Um, And I'm glad to see that because it's federal charges, he will hopefully spend the rest of his life behind bars. But his attorney is basically saying there's some wrong facts maybe in this case. And he called in. He was trying to help in this case. They're trying to make it sound like it's Mother Teresa. Uh, This guy is far from Mother Teresa. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dominic on line eight. Go ahead, Dom. Yeah, hi, Rita. I totally believe this guy's insane. Um, what's going to happen to this guy? They're going to bring this guy to court, and the lawyer's going to get him off. They'll put him away in a mental institution for a couple of years, and then they'll release him. Ah, Dominic, I hope you're you are not right. You know who is it? I just saw is that Mark David Chapman, who had a sold out music show. I mean, that guy's a loony kazoonie, and now he's out there. He had a sold-out music show. John, yeah, no, it was. Um, I think it's Mark David Chapman, I believe. Is it John Hinckley? We'll figure it out here. Okay, John Hinckley is out there doing some music show, and it's in New York City, and it's sold out. And that's a guy, that's a classic case, by the way, of someone getting a free ride because he spent time in a mental location, and they deemed him okay to walk the streets. I don't think that this guy is technically insane. This was clearly premeditated. He figured out how to plan and plot this case. And it makes me sick 
that a defense attorney is trying to get this guy scot-free and thinking, oh, all this evidence, what, is it fabricated? Are they going to claim that the, what, that the FBI is racist? My goodness, we're going to continue with your calls and talk about social media after the break. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about crime in America and also the role of social media, what gets on and what doesn't get on or what gets banned or signal or flagged on social media. Well, a lot of that is about to change. And we've been talking about this Brooklyn subway attack suspect because he was all over the place on social media. And I want to get your take on whether you think that there's any chance he could get an insanity plea. I hope not, because I think it was very premeditated. Why do you think he was allowed to be on social media and Donald Trump was not? Uh, To me, it is outrageous, the different standards that are on social media, and that could very well change. And also later on, by the way, in this hour, we have also a real treat because the first female player tied to a major league baseball team. And it is none other than Kelsey Whitmore. She plays for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, which is a team that is tied to major league baseball through the Atlantic League. It's a really fascinating story, and it's been getting buzz all over the country. And she's going to be joining us in about a half an hour here on the show to talk about what it is like being the first female player with all guys on the team, and she's the pitcher. She's a utility player, too, but there's a great story. And that's a team, by the way, also, that is owned in part by some of the guys from Saturday Night Live, Pete Davidson, Michael Che, also Colin Jost. So there's some great, great stories behind all that. And, of course, the owner of Red Apple Audio, of which we are a part of, the great John Katsimatidis. So we're going to be talking about all of that. It is an awesome interview, and I can't wait for her to join us here on the show in about half an hour from now. Meantime, we are talking about social media and the different standards and also the vitriol from this guy, the Brooklyn subway attack suspect, Frank James, 62-year-old Frank James, who's caught on like a million pieces of videotape, You got all this evidence tying him, and his attorney today is like, well, some of the facts aren't correct. He called authorities. He actually did call authorities. He did call Crime Stoppers, and she's going to use that to basically say he was helping with the case. So does that mean they got the wrong guy, she's claiming, that police are just framing him, even though all this evidence is coming here, or it's racist, or, or where is she going with this, and saying all the facts in this case are not accurate? What, is she going to try to say he didn't know what he was doing or they have the wrong person that he's claiming he did it, but it was the guy sitting next to him on the subway? I mean, who, where is he? Where is she going? I mean, you look at all the evidence, it seems overwhelming. And if you listen to this guy on social media, boy, 
is this guy a violent man with horrible racist rhetoric? Take a listen. This is just a little bit of the samples of some of the things that are on his social media site. It's on a YouTube site, and they were up there for years, up there, literally posted, I think, from 2013 up until a few days before his attack. Stuff like this. If the time comes, and I believe it will, when the majority of white people want to separate themselves from us and begin to create nation states within inside the United States, as they call it, secede from the Union, and that was the reason the Civil War, uh, one, of the, one of the catalysts of the Civil War was the secession from the Union of, of certain southern states. Well, that's going to be, that call has been heard here recently, and it's going to be heard in the, in the future, and it's going to take place. And it's going to take place. And I'll continue to remind you, if the, if the day and the time comes when we are ever separated from our white master, for real, and left off to ourselves. Wow. This guy was all over the place, and then also threatening violence, threatening to kill people. Audio like that on his social media that was up until the shooting that happened. There was all right there, all over the place for the world to see. And nothing happened to him on social media. Nothing was being banned from him on social media. And I'm really happy that Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, said, listen, social media needs to be watching what's going on better. I'm bravo to him for saying this. Take a listen. We are watching signs around us of those who are leaning toward violent actions, and we are ignoring them. Uh, I cannot play a song on a social media channel that belongs to someone else without them identifying that. Why aren't we identifying these dangerous threats? Why aren't we being more more proactive wait, instead of waiting for this to happen? And there's some responsibility. I think our social media industries and companies are must lean into uh, while we're watching these postings and these threats Every day, and no one is giving an early warning sign to law enforcement. Bravo to him. Why did that not get flagged to law enforcement? All these comments where he's saying, I want to kill people. I'm angry. I'm violent. Uh, I want to kill white people. I want to kill Jewish people. I want to kill Asian people. I mean, it's just horrible. It is really, really horrible. And here's a little bit more from Eric Adams on that. Were there things posted by this person of interest that to you should have set off red flags? Uh, I, I believe so, and that will come out during an investigation. Or even just look at um, not only this case, uh, we have cases of looking at some of the uh, violent drill music where you hear people state they're going to shoot someone. That should be a warning sign. Uh, and you look at how we're using social media right now uh, to put threats out there carry out dangerous actions, and there are clear correlations between what's being posted and what's being carried out in our streets, in this case and in many other cases. Bravo to him. You know, it's unbelievable. This guy was not flagged, yet Donald Trump was kicked off of Twitter, still is not back on Twitter. It is outrageous. And Miranda Devine, the New York Post columnist who broke the Hunter Biden story, because remember, That was blocked on social media forever, and that absolutely had an influence also, I believe, on the election. And if you look at some of the polls, people said they might have voted differently.
even Democrats and independents, some of them said they might have voted differently than voting for President Biden had they known that. Now it's turned out to be a fact that it was the laptop from hell, but they didn't, you know, they didn't want to show it. There's so many things that they have played a role. And she talked about the disparity today. He talked about wanting to kill people, uh, imagining how much he would enjoy it. Um, This would be, you would expect that uh, somebody would have picked this up. This had been going on for years. Um, And and yet, you know, conservative mums on Facebook or, um, you know, people who call themselves patriots on Twitter, uh, they are banned constantly. Yeah, they are banned constantly. And she was talking about this guy, the loony Kazuni, on the Brooklyn subway. Here he is saying all these horrible, evil things. And yet his posts were allowed to stay up. And yet Donald Trump, give me a break. Now Elon Musk is looking to buy Twitter. He already has a whole bunch of shares, but he's looking to take over the whole thing. And that could change everything. What do you make, first of all, about the mental state of this guy and the case and the disparity that we are seeing on social media? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Karen on line six. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Karen, go ahead. Oh, good morning, Rita. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's evening where I am, but it might be morning where you are, Karen. No, it, no, it, it, it's still the evening. <laughs> but it's a good day. Anytime I'm talking to you, it's good. What do you think, Karen, of this guy, the subway shooter uh, well, in Brooklyn? Well, she's having him uh, mentally evaluated. She should also have herself mentally evaluated. Who's that? The, well, his attorney. Seeing... His attorney, you mean? Yeah, right, right, right. And. Well, I mean, what does he think, that he was wearing a Halloween costume? Why don't they ask the people that he shot? You know, know, she's saying it might be a wrong identity. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It's almost like, you know, somebody, one of the callers brought up the Colin Ferguson case, and that was the guy, remember, that horrible case who was riding on the Long Island subway, uh, Long Island Railroad. In 1993, he opens fire. He killed a number of individuals. And then... In court, he was like, well, there was a shooter, and the person's like, no, 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 it wasn't a shooter, it was you. He, You know, like to the end, he was like trying to defend that they had the wrong person, even though there were tons of people that saw him physically shoot, you know. And in this case, they have the guy with the, with the key, they have the gun matching, they have the, you know, the vehicle uh, they have all the video of him walking in and out. I mean, it's like it's like they what do they want to believe that everybody else is lying, but this person? It, it's it really is crazy, Karen. And you're right. The DA is it just it's almost ludicrous when she said, "Don't rush to judgment here." Like like uh, like you know, if you had maybe one of those pieces, but it looks like they've got, according to law enforcement, it looks like they got like you know thirty, forty, fifty pieces so far. And I bet by the time it comes to trial. It's going to be hundreds of pieces. Karen, thank you very much. Let's go to Jackie on line five. Jackie, your thoughts. You're on the Rita Cosby Show. Hi. Um, my mother calls in quite often. This is my first time calling. Oh, I, lo- um, I love that the show's a family affair. That makes me really happy. Go ahead, Jack. That's great. Well, I'm really taken by this attorney. Um You mentioned either she's going to try to convince people that he's, you know, insane and should be let off because of his mental illness, 
or, you know, what you said is so true. Everything was so premeditated. He, he knew what he was doing. Um, the other thing is, if she's trying to say, well, he contacted the police, he, he was trying to help them. He contacted the police, I believe, when he was in a McDonald's, and then he left the McDonald's, did he not? They found him on the street, and I don't think it was in front of the McDonald's. Am I correct by that? Actually, he was close to the McDonald's. Apparently, he was waiting there for a while. The police didn't come. Maybe they didn't believe it was even the right guy. You know, maybe they thought it was a joke, you know, because somebody calls. I, I don't blame the police kind of thinking maybe it's not the right person. Um, and then... When they got there, he was about a block away and kind of hanging out in the area. So he was making himself conveniently there. But how does that change anything? You know, I mean, I mean, what are they going to say? He's cooperating and then you don't have all the facts like what did the gun slip out of his hand every time that he fired? I mean, this is like to me, it's such a stretch like she's trying to use that like this is like an upstanding citizen reporting a crime Mm -hmm. As opposed to a you know a premeditated killer, it's really interesting. Jackie, thank you. It's great to have you call in. Let's go to Phil on line six. Phil, your thoughts about this? Go ahead, Phil. Rita. Well, Rita. yeah, Phil. Phil, come closer to the phone. You're off mic. Go ahead, yeah. Phil. You know you can't really. I mean, he's not cuckoo. He's a criminal. Stop saying it. Stop saying mental. Even you're playing into their hands. The liberals always use that term. Now you're using it. Well, I use it facetiously, Phil. That's the difference. People don't know that. People don't know that. Well, you got to stop using it. Well, He's Phil, Phil would He's I a- call somebody a loony kazuni? I, I think I'm kind of making fun of them. That you, you, you know, that's that to me is a. But, but give me, give me. Hang on, Phil. Phil, Phil, you're going to have high blood pressure. Listen, um, what's the difference between cuckoo and criminal in your mind? Because you seem like an expert. Go ahead. Uh, listen, this is very serious, and I'm not throwing around joking words. What happened is a disgrace. Okay, and there's nothing. There's nothing cuckoo about it. And it just makes me boils my blood when you say mental. The liberals are using it to get people out of prison. Yeah, and, and Phil, Phil, hey, it. Phil, listen, first of all, I don't want you to pop a cork here. But what I do want to say is that I'm using it in the sense to make fun of it and not even make fun. But I hate this case that they're using the mental argument because I have made a case. And if you were listening clearly and got the wax out of your ears, you would have heard that I was saying that I don't believe he is mentally insane. He premeditated it. And what he did was so horrible. And it was, close, you know, to me, the steps that he took going on with the vest, going on with the mask, uh, uses the gun, rents the vehicle, the van in Philly, drives four hours, uh, then takes off the disguise, leaves. To me, this is such pre-planning and such you know, calculated, and that's why I have said it is not technologically insane. They're going to try, I think. They're already going for the psychiatric evaluation. Uh, But the one part I will agree with you, and I don't agree with a lot, Phil, uh, but I will agree with you on this case that I don't think he is mentally insane, and I think he is a calculated, cold-hearted criminal, 
and I'll give you that, Phil. And and Phil, take some take some blood pressure because I don't want you to pop a cork tonight. Um, everybody, we're going to continue with your calls. Everybody, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. This is the Rita Cosby Show. are talking, of course, about the case of the Brooklyn subway shooter. It looks like his attorney is trying to launch a defense that he was either not the right guy because she said maybe not all the facts are correct in the case. Don't rush to judgment. And if you look at all the evidence against him, also asking for a psychiatric evaluation, which I think is important, but it looks to me like it was cold, calculating, And the only thing I'll agree with the last caller is that, yeah, definitely criminal and horrible. Also, why was his rantings, why were they still up on social media? And we're talking about the disparity that also comes on social media these days, where these horrible rantings of people like him, they continue to be posted for years. They were up from 2013 till recently, and yet Donald Trump and other people and conservatives seem to get banned left and right. This is Miranda Devine's calculus as to why. Take a listen. It seems to be okay to be racist against white people. And uh, we saw that with the Brooklyn shooter. I mean, he was spewing the most disgusting, hateful, violent rhetoric, uh, all aimed at white people, uh, also Hispanics. Yeah, boy, he was saying horrible, despicable things. And now... It looks like social media may have a white knight, and his name is Elon Musk, the most wealthy man in America and in the world. This guy has so much money, and it looks like he is trying to make a bid to buy all of Twitter. And I love it because this is what he said not too long ago about the importance of free speech on Twitter and elsewhere. Take a listen to Elon Musk. My my strong intuitive sense is that uh, having a public platform that is maximally trusted um, and, 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 and broadly inclusive um, is extremely important to the future of civilization. But you've, um, you've described I, yourself. I, I don't care about the economics at all. You've, okay, that's, that's cool to hear. Wow, that's refreshing. Can you imagine if it suddenly becomes a fair playing field? where horrible vitriol and threats to people's lives like we're seeing from this guy i can this is the classic case of who should be banned you got the taliban up there they should be banned and yet you got donald trump still trying to make his way back on twitter so i contend i think he'll be back up on twitter if elon musk can buy the company and own the company which he's trying to do even though a lot of people at twitter don't like it they're revolting about it i think That would be the right move. Make it really a level playing field. Report on the Hunter Bidens. Do all this other stuff and kick off the horrible vitriol of people like this guy. Why do they still exist and Donald Trump does not exist on Twitter and a number of other platforms? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David on line five. Go ahead, David. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts about all this. 
Hey, what's going on? Um, so I just want to pre- preface my opinion, my dissenting opinion to yours, uh, by saying that this man is obviously a psychopath, obviously needs to be locked up for many, many, many years. But that being said, you were mentioning a lot about, you know, Elon Musk taking over Twitter and all these, um, you know, changes in the in the in the in the server for Twitter and all their CEOs. The the issue is is Elon Musk himself is is not going to be um, he's not going to be stopping somebody like this from having his opinion. Someone like this is still going to be out there saying what he wants to say, and that's Elon's whole plan. His whole plan is that he wants to just make it open to anyone, and even somebody like this can get on there and say as he pleases. He's although, not going to be although, stopping someone like this. Although, yeah, David, and David, is, and David, I actually disagree with some of that because he did sort of allude to, you know, having a res- being still responsible. I mean, you don't, you can't sort of like yell fire in a theater and think that that's okay and create a stampede. And so I think violence is something that, um, especially somebody with the kind of vitriol and violence, that I think would be changed. And, but that's not, to me, that's not a political, that's a safety. Um, I don't think he would make it so open. I actually think there might be just a few restrictions just because nobody wants to be sort of seen as a venue for the kind of hatred that we saw in the subway shooter. Um, But I also think it's great to have free speech and it's finding that balance. We're going to talk more about this, guys, and this guy who absolutely was a criminal after the break. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love every night where we get to recognize our great men and women in the military and also their families. Tonight's story comes from Concord, New Hampshire, where specialist Sarah Dorian was among more than 1,000 U.S. military and coalition forces who was at Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq when Iran launched a ballistic missile operation against U.S. forces. She and four fellow New Hampshire Army Guard corpsmen were awarded Purple Hearts during a ceremony in Concord. She said it was a horrible experience to go through, and she was at the Army National Guard at the time. But she said, but these are the people to go through it with. It's been a challenge. I have some memory issues, but all these things can be fixed and worked on and finding a new way to deal with it. And we lean on each other a lot. I am so proud of my service to this nation. By the way, the Purple Heart, which she received and four others, is the first and oldest U.S. military decoration. It is presented to servicemen and women who have been wounded or killed in action as a result of enemy action. Bravo to her and also so many of our great heroes in the military. Well, we go from a female military hero to a new female sports star, and let's go to the stadium for that. And play ball. Our next guest is making history big time. 
Kelsey Whitmore is the first female to play on a team tied to Major League Baseball. She signed with the Staten Island Ferryhawks. It's part of the Atlantic League professional baseball team, which is an official Major League Baseball partner. How cool is that? By the way, uh, some of the owners of the Ferry Hawks include, of course, John Katsimatidis, our owner, the Yankees, uh, also Danny Garcia, and a few interesting names, too, as well, in addition to that great superstar list. Also, Pete Davidson, Colin Jost, and Michael Che of Saturday Night Live. Uh, Welcome to the show, Kelsey Whitmore. Congrats. Hi, thank you for having me on. How does it feel to be a groundbreaker? I mean, this is so cool to be the first woman tied to, like, a major team. Do you realize, like, the symbolism of this moment? You know, I'm very grateful and I'm very thankful for the opportunity and, most of all, the support that I've, I've been given um, throughout the past week, week or so, with um, with everything going on. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just an honor to be able to to be a part of this this team and a part of this league and to play with guys that that have come from such high levels of uh of play and and uh through affiliated ball now let's be honest do the guys talk smack to you yeah and you talked about (laughs) that during the years but but you put them in their place but what kind of reaction do you get from the guys right now with the with the team with the fairy hawks right now the guys on the team have been great honestly i have no, I've had no issues, no complaints with any of them, and they, yeah, they have no, no, no problems with them. They're a good group of guys, you know. They're here for the for the right reasons. They, I respect all of them. They've uh, they've helped me with the, you know, just even within the the past few days, we've had spring training. Um, a couple guys coming up to me and giving me feedback and helping me out, and you know, it's been great off the field. They've been very supportive, you know giving me they're just treating me like a like a younger sister really and that's how I feel I look at I look as them as brothers and on the field as teammates you know it's it's been a it's been a great 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 week so far with them well and you're hitting it out of the park too because you are basically you're a utility player but you're also you're a pitcher um so you're right there on the mound leading the throws when you strike them out do they feel a little um like uh oh you know what am what are my fellow brothers going to think <laughs> Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all competing against each other and then and then with each other. And then the day, you know, we're all trying to help each other be be as you know, the best versions of, our, of ourselves as we can. And, you know, a lot of guys, almost everyone in the league, their goal is to, to get out of this league so they could get up to, a, you know, a higher level and, and get to affiliated ball when it's on the field, you know whether they strike me out or, you know, I, I, I get them out or, or in any way, then, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, that's part of the game. And, um, you know, we, we respect each other and then we get after it the next, next at bat or next pitch. You know, you have played baseball a long time. I love that you started, I was reading what it was like age four, you played your first ball with your dad and your brother. Tell us about how that all began. And did you say, gosh, I want to play in the big leagues, which you are now. I'd say six years old was probably when I really started playing baseball. And ever since I've fallen in love with the game, I never fell out of it, fell out of love with it. And so I just, I always told myself, like, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, imagine myself not continuing trying to play because I love it so much. And it's like, I want it so bad that, like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself, like, stopping. You know, you're a California gal and, of course, coming to New York with this great new team, which is so cool. There's so much buzz about it. What do you like about New York? What have been some of the fun surprises as a California transplant coming to New York? Man, honestly, I I say uh, there's a lot going on. 
kind of like that fast pace and, um, you know, wanting to, you know, get work done and get things, uh, get into the office, get out, get on the field, get out. And, and, you know, I like, I like the big city vibes. I also like that. And it's definitely a good place to be if you're going to play baseball. And, and I'm, I'm excited for it. Definitely excited for it. Much better pizza. I was about to say the pizza. (laughs) Food's pretty good. Yeah. Food's pretty good. I've had I actually had pizza last night. I had Danino's. I guess that's the spot in the area. So food's pretty good, and there's always always stuff going on. So that's why that's why I liked about it so far. What's your message, Kelsey Whitmore, as sort of the first female now playing ball tied to a major league team? And this comes at the same time that Giants, the San Francisco Giants, I should say, had a coach come out, a female coach. It was the first time on the field. You probably saw that. I thought that was so cool. I mean, this is all happening, you know, within a matter, you know, of a week of each other. Um, this is really a history-making moment. What's your message about women playing in, in all levels of sports? You know, I guess for me and, and for others, I feel like anything is something that you want bad enough that's uh, – it's definitely something possible to make happen. And I think, you know, if there's something that you want that you really badly want to do, you got to, you got to see it. You got to believe it. You got to believe in it. And you got to believe in yourself. And at the end of the day, like you got to put in the work, you know, no one's just going to hand something for you and you got to put in the work, get after it, try to be the best version of yourself to, uh, on and off the field, you know, no matter how hard things get, ask yourself how badly you want it and, and you'll do anything you can to make it happen. Absolutely. And bravo to you. I think it is so great. I think women and men are cheering everywhere. The season is getting underway very soon. And of course, the first home opener is on May 3rd. So that is going to be so awesome. Everybody make sure that you check out the Staten Island Ferry Hawks with Kelsey Whitmore at the mound. It's going to be great. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Wow, very, very neat to see. And again, uh, the opening game. How cool is that going to be coming up very soon? Bravo to Kelsey Whitmore and the Staten Island Ferryhawks. I just think it's so, so neat. And we'll keep you posted on that, everybody. We are also talking, of course, about social media and Elon Musk, who is planning to buy the whole thing, although people within Twitter are saying, "Uh, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh-uh, we don't want it. Uh, They're freaked out because they've sort of had their own reign, if you will. And this comes as this guy, this horrible criminal who opened fire on the Brooklyn subway train, who's now behind bars. You listen to his videos that he posted himself are just horrible. And talking about, you know, a race war, uh, saying disgusting things about Jewish people, Asian people, white people. I mean, it's just horrible vitriol, and his videos were up uh, at least until a few days before he was posting even and making these comments for years upon years. So I want to hear your thoughts on his case because, of course, today he had his first hearing. He is now being held, thank goodness, without bail, but it looks like his attorney is going to try to say, oh, this guy, uh, maybe they have the wrong guy almost. The way she's talking, she said, don't rush to judgment. Some of the facts aren't correct. What are your thoughts about his case and the fact that he was up on social media and at this point Donald Trump is not on these social media platforms? And hopefully Elon Musk, by buying Twitter, which hopefully he gets to do, can change all of that. 1-800-848-9222. one 800 
8489222. Let's go to Jimmy on line 8. Jimmy, your thoughts. What do you think about uh, all this? Do you remember the black NASCAR driver who thought that there was a noose put there purposely to scare him? It turned out that that rope was hanging by every single uh, 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 garage door at NASCAR. Yeah, I remember that. that. Yep. You had the Tawana Brawley hoax with Tawana Brawley and Al Sharpton faked the racial incident. You had the Smollett hoax. You know, you in in when this is done on purpose, because sometimes it is politically. It's they're called stunts. You do enough stunts, you create an illusion. So you have all of these stunts where people think there's racism, and then they react to it. This mad gunman, this killer, this shooter with the gun on the subway, he's like Joy Reid with a gun. He has the same amount of hatred in him as Joy Reid and a lot of people on CNN, a lot of the liberal media who agitate. You know, the well, and, and Jimmy had... and Jimmy, hang on one second, because that's a big leap. I mean, that to me, there's no, you know, equation. I mean, some of the things, believe me, I don't agree with a lot of the things uh, that I hear sometimes coming out of her mouth. Um, but there's a huge difference between that and a guy who goes on a subway and does this heinous, horrible act. What, what do you make, Jimmy, of the fact that the defense attorney in this case has come out and said, you don't have all the facts right, and is also trying to make it sound like he was just a good Samaritan by the fact that he actually called up and told police the crime tips. Remember, he called, he made that call that basically, hey, I understand you're looking for me, my picture's everywhere, Um, but she's trying to make it sound like he's like a a bystander as opposed to the shooter. Uh, What's your thoughts on that, Jim? Well, an attorney has to make a case. This is like an open and shut case. It looks like this guy's guilty. So she, the, this attorney apparently is, fish, is, is fishing around for some, some room for doubt because all you need is one person to, to doubt, and you got to give the benefit of the doubt. But they have no. There's really no defense you could make. How could you make a defense on something like this that looks so, so, so obvious? Yeah, I agree. No, Jimmy. And Jimmy, thanks for the call. Uh, I always love your calls. Thank you. They're always powerful. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania on line one. Dave, your thoughts about this case? Uh, Rita, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I think I just like to ask the question. What do you, what do you think uh, the politics would be behind this case? Was a white, deranged man who did this heinous crime, how the media would cover it. I, you can probably figure out who they would blame of this man, uh, if it was white guy's actions. You know, and, uh, sadly, Dave, to answer your question, and I know where you're going, I think they would come out and say it was like a white supremacist if, if some of the vitriol was similar to what this guy, you know, was saying, if it was reversed. And to me, well, uh, you know, you look at this guy, I, he's his rhetoric is so racist, it's so horrible, it's violent, it's it's terrible, and you're right, the media hasn't sort of – a lot of the media isn't even talking about his social media, by the way. I mean, this gets into the mind of who he is and his motivation or what he's thinking and who this person is because it wasn't just a one-time post. It's it's for, you know, years upon years upon years. Uh, what do you think? I, I agree. I, I guess my point is is partly, you know, you hear some of the rhetoric coming out of uh, some of the, the left on the left. And they're saying this is a, a you know white supremacy uh, society, you know. And I guess my whole point is, is that you know they're always pinpointing 
someone to blame. And, you know, they, I could see them turn around and, and saying, well, this is because Donald Trump is such a racist. <laughs> you know, this is what inspired a white derangement to do something so evil and rotten. And, in fact, it is partly I meant this guy was partly obviously mentally deranged besides being a racist. Absolutely. Well, and you know the thing that's interesting, Dave, I don't, you know, you talked about like, yeah, some people say, okay, well, this was inspired by so-and-so. What about the guy, um, remember, who shot up Steve Scalise? Remember that horrible thing, the one who went to the ballpark? He was a Bernie Sanders supporter. I don't blame Bernie Sanders for that, just like I don't blame Donald Trump on the other end. You, you know what I mean? Like, like people are clearly nuts and they're, you know, they're crazy, but... You know, the media seemed to not even want to even really report that that guy was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Again, I don't think Bernie Sanders had any responsibility, and I'm certainly not asking somebody to do something like that. But that guy, you know, they used this rhetoric. And you're right, there is this terrible double standard, and and it's emblematic in the way the media covers it. It's emblematic. How about even the Hunter Biden? We, you know, we were getting into the Hunter Biden because we were talking about Miranda Devine. You know, she was the one who broke that story. You know, the media didn't cover the Hunter Biden, the mainstream media. It's only been recently that the Washington Post and the New York Times will even give it any credence. They've confirmed it now. And yet it was blocked on Twitter. It was blocked in a lot of places. They even blocked, remember, the account of New York Post. I mean, talk about a concerted effort to to basically affect an election because there were people after the election who came out and said they might have voted differently. If they had known that information so that you, there's so many different of these layers to the double standard, uh, it really is incredible. And you highlight some very powerful ones. Dave, thank you very, very much for the call. Um, let's go to Howard on line seven. Howard, your thoughts. You're here on the Rita Cosby show. I I think he got it. He was looking for what I call a brag break. I think he was expecting brag. Hey, and Howard, Howard, you're off a little bit, but I heard you say that he was looking for a brag break. That's a good line. And you're talking about the subway uh, shooter, the guy who has now been accused, held without bail, thank goodness. Um, but you're right. I think he was hoping he was going to get more breaks like it seems like he has gotten for years upon years upon years. Um, and you're right, Howard. Thank you very much for the call, Howard. But, you know, you look at... Basically, the history of this guy, he had nine priors in New York. He had three prior arrests in New Jersey. So it looks like he got a whole bunch of, quote, brag-type breaks. And thank goodness the feds got involved in this one, and they upped the ante. And it looks like, I I mean, I'd be surprised if this guy ever sees the light of day, even though his attorney is trying to cloud, cloud things like maybe it's the wrong guy or don't rush to judgment. I mean, that that to me is obscene. We're going to continue, everybody, with your calls on social media, this guy versus Trump, and also this guy's attorney saying, don't rush to judgment. Do they Are they trying to make it sound like they have the wrong guy in the subway shooting with all this evidence against him? Uh, boy, they're trying to cloud the case here. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about Frank James, the subway shooter, 
This is a little bit of what he had on his own social media. Take a listen to some of his vile rhetoric. And why do they hate your guts? Because they know that your rightful place is as a slave in this country. They know that. You're the only one that doesn't realize that. And now you want to be equal to them by force. They didn't choose to elect. They didn't elect to make you equal. You had to force them to make you an equal. And now they're just getting more angry and more angry. Their anger is building up. And nothing can happen here differently than what happened over in Europe with the Jews. Horrible, despicable rhetoric. And that's some of the toned down stuff from this guy who had everything up on social media for the world to see. And now his attorney and the arraignment that took place a few hours ago basically said, don't rush to judgment on this guy, even though they have the video, they have all the the gun, they have the van. Don't rush to judgment. This guy's videos were up for the world to see. And she's basically saying, you know what? He's basically Mother Teresa, that maybe the facts are wrong in this case, that he's a really nice person. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike on line one. Go ahead, Mike. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, Mike? Yeah. Hi, Rita. This, this knucklehead, the subway shooter, I didn't want to say his name. Uh, he represents everything that's wrong with the justice system right now. And cutting right to it, uh, he's not going to get the same trial he gave those innocent people on the train. And he's also in, in, in a situation where he's just going to be blah, blah, blahing around and probably going to cost about $3 million A to Z to process this clown. And how much are these victims going to get? These victims are, are school kids and they can't go to work. I mean, there's real dollars that should be shifted from uh, I, I don't know the carbon blob that committed the crime. It should be shifted over to the victims. I don't know if there's a victim fund for these poor people, but there's real costs involved between the hospital. Oh, and by the way, Rita, one last thing. I, I'll, I'll get off of this. I can up the phone. Um, I heard the press saying, well, you know, he's in the, the victims are in the hospital with non-threatening injuries. Let me tell you something. You get shot by a nut on the train. Uh, there's sepsis. There's COVID. There's a lot of other things besides the actual gunshot itself. So I wish the uh, the fake news would calm down about saying it's not life-threatening. You get shot on the train by a, by a, by a nut. It's life-threatening. Listen, thank you very much, and you're doing a great job. By my, thank you, Mike. I mean, by the way, the other thing I was thinking, too, is the mental. You know, I mean, just think about the, the lingering physical and mental effects of what this guy did to these people. Powerful points. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, it is outrageous. The fact that he kind of gamed the system for so many years, decades, it looks like. I mean, with this long rap sheet, he's on social media talking about, you know, uh, racist, horrible, despicable things about so many different races. It's allowed to stay, you know. Um, and now his attorney, just like you said, it's almost like every aspect is like this just despicable part of the system, the things that we absolutely, that normal citizens and, you know, people who care about law and law-abiding citizens hate. And now we've got his defense attorney saying, don't rush to judgment. Maybe the facts aren't right. Uh, it's shocking. Let's go to Pete real quick on line six. Pete, your thoughts real quick, Pete. Hi, Rita. My thought is he made a big mistake. He left that hammer axe that they found in the bag. Now, you know what that was for? 
to break windows to get out of the train. That proves that it's premeditated. This lawyer that's uh, going to uh, try to represent him, he's up against a tough nut because for him to have that hammer, that's for his escape. And no, that that's a great, a great point. You're right. He had. You're right. Thanks so much. He had a hatchet. You're right. He had like all this stuff, and also remember he had the construction stuff on. He took the construction stuff up. Then he also called and said, "You're looking for me." I mean, there's all this stuff. This guy is going down. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.